0: Welcome to the Good Reading Podcast, proudly sponsored by Book People Gift Cards. A Book People Gift Card is the perfect gift for readers of all ages. Simply order your gift card online at bookpeoplegiftcards.org.au. Redeem at any one of over 500 bookshops across Australia. Visit bookpeoplegiftcards.org.au.
1: And so it went. Luke as bait, the argument as distraction. Mouse as pharmacist, Bob as spectator, and Sparrow with his head elsewhere, thinking about the deep north and the prospect of an undiscovered murder victim. In their wake, a contrail of rehypnol, a desert's worth of groggy transvestites, and more empty wallets than a Vegas casino. Luke and Mouse's plan was working. They reminded Bob and Sparrow of this fact with every successful haul. Sparrow was shocked by how quickly he'd abandoned his policeman's sensibilities. It came from getting caught up in the pace of things, in the juvenile recklessness of the moment, and his own background as a wild youth. He pulled himself up from time to time to to wrestle with his conscience, reminding himself that it was all an act for the greater good, and trying to not think about what Detective Inspector Porter would make of it all. Peter
0: Papathanasiu's writing has been published in the New York Times, The Guardian, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Peter is the author of two books in the Detective Sergeant George Manola series, The Stoning and The Invisible. Today I'm talking to Peter Papathanasiu about his new book, The Pit. Peter, welcome to the Good Reading
1: Podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me.
0: The Pit begins with a confession, a confession of murder, when Constable Andrew Smith, otherwise known as Sparrow, takes a call from one Robert Bob Cooper. But it all happened 30 years ago. What's motivating Bob Cooper to reach back into his past?
1: Well, I mean, he's an older chap. He's uh, in a nursing home, you know, reflecting on his life. And uh, I guess we all have regrets and and things that we're proud of and ashamed of. Um, And this is something that has obviously been niggling at him. It's a significant thing that can happen in anyone's life. And he's decided to, you know, turn himself in uh, and, and do the right thing. He calls the uh, the local police station and his call gets transferred through and he ends up in the ear of uh, Detective Andrew Smith, otherwise known as, as Constable Sparrow, who isn't initially sure, you know, what to make of, of, of this uh, phone call. It's not often... You get something like that when you go in to do your nine to five, but he you know has to treat it seriously and uh, goes along with uh, you know Bob's uh, proposition, which is to show him where this body is buried., uh, there needs to be um, evidence of this crime and for details to be filled in, including um, you know, physical evidence. Bob's condition is that Pharaoh has to accompany him. Uh, on a road trip um, through uh, Western Australia to the north, where the body is buried. They're an unexpected um, pairing um, to go on this road trip. Um, and Sparrow's a bit green, um, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience. And then he says, well, I'll go along with it. So off they go.
0: Uh, yes, he's uh, certainly a character out of place in this situation in many ways. Um, We might have expected to encounter Detective Sergeant George Manolis in this book, The Pit, as we did in The Stoning and The Invisible, but according to Sparrow, DS Manolis is busy working on his suntan in Greece. That sounds nice. Is this an opportunity for the ambitious Sparrow to make his mark and to escape his own past?
1: The Pit is the third book in the series. Uh, As he said, it began with The Stoning, which introduced Manolis and Sparrow working together on a case. Uh, in the second book, uh, The Invisible, um, it's the adventure that Manolis goes on when he goes away to Greece, um, ostensibly for a, a holiday. Uh, and the pit is, in my mind, what happens while Manolis is away. So it's, it's happening at the same time as, as The Invisible is happening. This is, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it sits comfortably within the universe. Uh, and it's a, a story that is, you know, more true to Sparrow's background and, and his um, influences and character. Uh, but at the same time, um, the book does have a, a different structure in that um, there is a, a focus on the on Bob. I guess he's a bit of an anti-hero, um, this uh, man who's confessing. And that's something that is a distinguishing feature of the pit.
0: So, getting back to Bob, Bob invites Sparrow on this road trip
1: outside of official
0: police hours. But what at first appears to be a search for truth becomes a road trip like no other.
1: I've always enjoyed uh, road trip stories. Um, they have a momentum, you know, in that there's a <laughs> there's a there's a vehicle that's moving. Um, with that mo- moving vehicle, brings a change of scenery and interactions with uh, you know different characters. From a writer's perspective, uh, it's a pleasure to write, you know, a story like that because you can have things un- unexpectedly occur, and you have to have those happen. Uh, it's also very, uh, you know, believable. Um, and the thing about, I guess, uh, you know, being Western Australia is that it is such a, well, such a wide open, isolated, expansive, beautiful, hot, threatening place. So from, a, from an awfully you know, creative perspective, you, you, you can really have some fun um, with the story. Um, and, yeah, as so I said, there's obvious things that happen and characters that they encounter.
0: And, of course, the characters are developed, in a sense, uh, at first within the confines of a minivan. And there we meet Luke. Luke is along for the ride, a young disabled man. What's Luke doing there?
1: Luke is uh, paralysed following a motorbike accident. And his parents looked after him, but they've recently passed away. so with with no other options, he's the poor chaps ended up in a nursing home. A character like that is obviously an outsider in a nursing home. Bob himself feels like he's a bit of an outsider. so he uh, he reaches out to Luke, and, um, and Bob keeps saying, "Look, you know i'm not I'm not like the people here. i'm I'm more like you." And then he, you know, concocts this idea that aligns with the adventure he's having with Sparrow. And he says, well, look, you know, let's escape together. Let's get out of here and let's have an adventure. You know, I can't just, just leave you here um, in this nursing home. So the three of them are in this battered old high ACE um, Toyota van uh, with uh, Bob and and Sparrow, um, you know, in the front two seats and and Luke in a, in a a motorized wheelchair um, in the back. So, you know, there's certainly a, a, a very unexpected trio um, with different backgrounds, um, different generations, and I, I really liked that. I liked having these three very different characters in this small, confined space, moving through this isolated region and seeing how they reacted in these, you know, situations that um, they encountered.
0: And, of course, along the way, they, they meet Mouse. Now, Mouse, she could be a truck driver, she could be a sex worker, but she soon proves herself to be, at the very least, a good hustler. Now, Mouse really does bring a sense of adventure to the venture.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, well, again, you know, as, as I said, Mouse is a, she's a or she's ostensibly a female truck driver. Um, it's it's her uh, it's her job, and um, she. Uh, I mean, I'm not giving away too much. She, she picks them up when the when the van breaks down. The boys aren't really sure what to make of her, but she's also not really sure what to make of them. This, this They're also dressed in, in mining shirts. So, you know, Sparrow is pretending to be Bob's and Luke's carer, but they're also pretending to be miners. And, and Mouse is pretending to be a truck driver, or is there more to it? The thing that Mouse does is she, I guess the, the device that she is in the book, um, is to be the the way that through which the the three main characters see the outback she gives them uh, insights into what it's actually like to be out there um, and she you know for for want of a better way of saying it, she kind of delivers the 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 main themes that are in the book and allows the the boys to have that that connection uh, and they they do get up to some adventures the the four of them together. Uh, I like the idea of um making her a, uh, I intentionally made her a female character to contrast that very uh, masculine world um, of, uh, of the outback and, and, and uh, uh, the mining industry. Uh, and again, four very different characters um, in a small confined space, um, all up to something is I guess what I'll say.
0: Let's turn back to the character of Bob. Bob has quite a backstory. He's worked in the mines. He's done all sorts of things over the years. There's a nice little quote, and this refers to Bob's time working in the mines. The mines' prison camp conditions had created a prison camp mentality. Men in isolation are no different to those in a war zone or those stuck at sea for a long time.
1: Bob is a product of, of um, the environment. And the book you know, was inspired by a number of different things that I encountered along the way. Uh, But one of them was was, going to Western Australia, travelling around, finding out about the mentality that exists there. I found WA to be very much like the rest of Australia, only amped up a few notches. And that came from the prevalence of mining, the opportunities that creates, the entrepreneurialism, the money that floats around, with that comes, you know, a risk taking, a can do type attitude, and and this is something that you know, very much exists today. There's very much a, a parochialism that exists, um, and that comes from it being on the other side of the country, you know, separated by you know thousands and thousands of kilometres of um, well desert, really but it is impregnated with riches and that has allowed it to become very rich and prosperous. So it's a very intoxicating uh, environment in which to to be in. But at the same time, I knew that it came with a a dark side and an underbelly that I wanted to explore. So Bob was uh, obviously once a younger man and in alternating chapters in the story, it talks about, uh, his background and the life that he was living on the mines, uh, and what was happening in the past, and how that you know con- contrasts to uh, what is happening today, a major theme in in in, in the book, uh, which was I guess Australia's priorities, you know, how we we treat those who are different, how we treat those who are unfortunate, unlucky. And that's through the prism of this really uh, prosperous region um, known as Western Australia and especially the, the northern part of Western Australia, which is the, the Pilbara and the Kimberley. There's a quote in the book where there's like um, uh, nature, Mother Nature has packed away million dollar bills into the ground, neatly stacked, waiting for us to go and discover. And I thought that was a really, really nice way of putting it. Uh, that's the, uh, the uh, philosophy of mining. And it's um, still well and truly in place in Australia.
0: There's a lot of toxic masculinity on display, certainly in the pit. And your characters convey all of the sense of the social and political fault lines that exist in an outback community in really vivid and intricate detail. I couldn't help feeling as I was reading the pit that I was at the coal face of Australian humanity.
1: Oh, that's a great. That's a great quote. I might. I might take that. Um, it, it is that. That. Uh, intoxicating nature i've said it twice now of of opportunity of, of of what you know gets presented it both both makes you feel alive because you feel that you can really make something of yourself uh, and a lot of people do but in the same time when there's sort of stakes like that online um, online available it can bring out you know the worst in people uh, and again as a writer to have that sort of you know contrast of dark and light was was a, you know, something I relished. So that's why I kind of ran with it. You know, it's sort of, it's humanity, you know, as I said, sort of turned up a notch because of what is at stake and, uh, you know, opportunity that's presented.
0: If we can reach back for a moment to your first book, The Stoning. In The Stoning, you placed a microscope over the social issues, racism, misogyny, xenophobia, and also the abuse of drugs and alcohol which are very much a feature of the pit. But in the pit, you encompass all of those things and reach into the arena of individual motivations. We've mentioned one of them, money. What are the others?
1: I guess with money comes greed. You've talked about there being you know, toxic masculinity, that it is a, an, you know, certainly a, an environment which, where men have dominated, or again, which is why I made Mouse a, a strong female character. So those themes of uh, of gender, um, the idea of of um, being an outsider, of being someone who doesn't belong, and the diversity that that comes with that, you know, I guess we we can, you know, if you close your eyes and imagine what what that part of the world would look like, it's probably white, it's probably male, it's probably straight, you know, heterosexual. And, in the reality is you know that's not necessarily true. it could it could be the predominant profile that would that would exist. But there are layers of complexity and heterogeneity. So you know that was something that I was keen to explore. Uh, I had it through the the prism uh, of a indigenous man in the stoning, which, as you said, was all about immigration, detention um uh racism um culture um and here in the pit i did re uh, revisit that to explore it again but also the idea of uh there being de- the gender differences that it is such a, a a male uh environment and again that's that's so, uh something that comes through mouse but also through bob because he is a, a character who himself doesn't belong in that environment. And that is something that is borne out by the chapters, um, that are set in the past and talk about what he went through as a younger man.
0: And this story is in a sense about that something else, what lies beneath the facade?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to give away sort of too much here. Um, you know, that there, there are layers to this story. I, uh, I, I hope people don't approach it and think it's a it's a straight up and down adrenaline, you know, charged road trip with sort of, you know, high octane speed, you know, action and thrills and spills. Uh, it is a story that is a bit more contemplative. Um, you know, it's character driven. You do discover that very quickly in both the way that the, the book is structured. And when you find out about the characters, and then it is just sort of sitting back and watching how it all plays out you you can probably call it outback noir uh it's a it's a it's a very commercial title now but i almost can't think of what else what other thing it would be i do think of it as being a, a crime story but potentially more just a story with a crime in it it almost does disappear into the background and it does become an exploration of these characters and these themes in the book but the idea that there is a crime and that there is a mystery there is a puzzle that needs to be solved is hopefully something that keeps you know, readers going uh, to work out exactly what happened in the past and what is going to happen now. Peter
0: Papathanasiou, thanks so much for joining me on The Good Reading Podcast.
1: Thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure. I hope people enjoy reading The Pit.
0: I've been talking to Peter Papathanasiou about his new book, The Pit. It's published by McElhose Press and you can find it at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs and thanks for listening. This Good Reading Podcast was brought to you by Book People Gift Cards. Share the joy of reading with a Book People Gift Card. To find out more, visit bookpeoplegiftcards.org.au